Welcome everybody to the Startup Blender, the podcast about startup life and some other stuff. All right, let's start. My name is Ucha. I'm, my name is Hardik. I'm here with my great co-host Hardik, and today our guest is Jonathan from Linguist. So Jonathan, it would be great if you can help us to, you know, tell me something about yourself, where you're from, and uh, how is it with Linguist? Sure. Well, I'll have to start by saying um, that um, I, I have just left Linguist. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I did spend six very happy years there. Uh, so we could definitely um, discuss. That's a good number. Six long years. Six, six, six is the longest time I spent with a company for sure. Uh, I'm happy to discuss it. They were arguably, you know, my best six years in, in my career. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and if you want, I'm happy to discuss my 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 next uh, adventures as well. That'd be great. Um, yeah. So, so a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a, I'm a designer by trade, um, mm-hmm. though that's become very blurry these days. Um, uh, I started off as a graphic designer because I'm from an age where if you wanted to work in design and media, that's what you started doing. And, um, you know, over the years, which I'm happy to get into detail, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I drifted more towards the UX side and, uh, uh, more than the UI side. So just to give you guys a bit of an idea what the difference is, UI is, um, user interface design. So this is more of the kind of um, what the customer sees in terms of graphics, colors, interactions, uh, and UX is the user experience side, and this is more uh, in relation to um, the actual experience itself. So it deals a lot with, uh, it's more kind of wireframing and actually talking with users, which I'm very interested in. I think it's just because I had an interest in like um, the social sciences as well. Um, when I was studying, it was my secondary area of studying. Um, yeah, and um, uh, with Linguist during the kind of six years, I started off as um, the designer. The company was a very small startup. I was employee number six, I believe. Wow. Um, so it's like you're going to join as the designer. There's no there's no distinct area for you to work in. You're just going to do everything. And that was fun. I, I used to, a typical day would easily contain UX design. So actually talking with users, UI design. So, you know, designing the interface bit of branding, a bit of marketing, and then very often, especially in the early days, you know, late at night working on pitch decks with the CEO. Uh, and, did, um, did you have like a lot of experience in terms of design before that, or it was like something that... So traditional design, yes, by that point I was definitely like a good 10 years, if not more, um, of like traditional graphic design, branding, um, marketing. Um, I was initially very much focused on publications when I first started working. As a kid, all I wanted to do was design magazines. I thought that would I, that would be a happy career. That lasted about a year and a half and I got very bored. I wanted to do more stuff and then, you know, discovered I've always been into kind of tech, so digital side. Um, kind of sway towards that and just the journey you know incorporated web design um uh, master's degree that focused on ux um yeah so by that point i was a little bit of a jack of all trades in terms of design um but never really worked in a tech company never worked in a startup and uh, just really wanted to do that and linguists were happy to bring me but let's talk a bit about your um journey how you came to estonia sure 
Well, it's well, very first of where you from? I don't know. It's a good point. I'm, a, I'm originally from Malta, um, which uh, just in case, because uh, not everybody knows, it's a small island. Um, uh, I think it's the southernmost part of Europe. Um, it's just below Sicily, um, and um, you know, it's basically between Sicily and Libya. To be to be honest, um, which is nothing wrong with that, uh, and um, yeah, uh, that's where I'm from originally. But as I don't have a typical Maltese accent, I've kind of moved around and travelled around quite a bit, but uh, still Maltese at heart. Um, and in terms of what got me to Estonia, well, uh, Lingvist, to be honest, I mean, by that point, by the time I joined Lingvist, I was already a little bit of a uh, I think calling myself a digital nomad at that point would be a little bit romantic. I don't think I was that at all. But I was living in London. Um, I had, prior to that, been living in Edinburgh. Um, so I'd been removed from Malta for about five or six years. Um, and um, I went for my interview with Lingvist uh, in London and I met um, the CEO, Mike, Mike Muntel. And, uh, you know, we got on really well. That was a, you know, he liked my portfolio. We had a good laugh. He asked me to go grab a beer with him afterwards, which I thought was a good sign. Um, and he told me, listen, if, if you get this job, um, it would require you to um, uh, conduct your probation, probationary period in Estonia, in Tallinn. And it's like, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, well, that sounds really interesting. And to be honest with you, I mean, I'm quite adventurous, so I definitely wasn't against the idea. But I was, I'm, I've always been relatively good in geography, but I thought, I don't really know where Estonia is. <laughs> so you had never been to Estonia? No, no, I'd never oh, been. Okay. I'd heard about it, saw them on the Eurovision, of course, because Maltese are yeah. Eurovision crazy as so well. So the sense of adventure was there, the excitement yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I told Mike, I'm like, hey, listen, you know, uh, at that point I was soon to be married, we were buying a place to stay and all that, and I kind of used that as a bit of an excuse. I'm like, I have to talk with my future wife and I have to make sure that everything is, is okay. Um, and he's like, yes, yes, of course. And the truth is that um, I jumped on the on the tube on the way home, um, and using the free Wi-Fi, I, I googled I'm on Wikipedia for Estonia, and ta pictures of Tallinn came up, and I'm like, wow, this place is amazing. So I, I didn't really, I didn't had, I actually had no discussions with my wife at all. I said, yeah, sure. I, I emailed Mike back. Said, yeah, I think I'd be happy to do that. And then I got home. And, and so there was an expectation from Estonia before, like you know, googling and okay, what? Well, uh, once I kind of said, you know. I'll be happy to do it. Okay. Um, then, as the kind of the process pro progressed, which I don't think it, it didn't take much longer after mm -hmm. that, but then I started getting excited. So there were two research. things: one, linguist, and second, all the castle photos on. Yeah, Google, exactly. Right? A picture of the old town. I'm like, old yeah, town, yeah. I'm in. I'm in totally. But it was way different back then, right? Six years ago. Oh yeah, I've seen right? it, I've the seen Google it, search engine is still the same. Like what? <laughs> what it was six years ago. And the old town obviously has been the same for I would say hundreds of years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but definitely, I've seen. They just gave it back then. Was that it? was just kind of <laughs> kicking off. Yeah, 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 yeah. A few of the bars and stuff were still there. Uh, we were just kind of looking a lot fresher. I mean, I've seen a lot of changes in Estonia, but even then, um, you know, six, seven years ago, uh, it was already kind of pretty cool place to be. Yeah. You know? But it's interesting to know uh, what were your first like reactions when you first came here? Did you like it? Did you you were like ah? Was wrong decision? Or oh no! So um, so I spent um, so I've been living in Estonia permanently for two years, and prior to that, about four years, I was coming and going um, very regularly, um, way too many, 
way too many flights and I feel bad about the carbon footprint to this yeah. day. Um, but when I did get the job, I spent three, three and a half months mm -hmm. um, in midwinter. <laughs> oh. uh, um, uh, straight jump to the hardest right, part. Straight, yeah, 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 yeah. Maltese guy didn't even know what a proper jacket is. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so I was here for those three months. And I think, so I in, instantly really liked the city. Um, it was a big... Um, kind of difference from London and London is crazy, super urban, very few parks um, and quite dirty whereas here you know you've got lots of you know, super clean, really nice, super friendly, really um, uh, safe as a city as well. Um, so that was really great. I think the one thing that initially was a bit tricky um, and you know was basically the, the, the famous Estonian hospitality in that me being quite Kind of generally, you know, Mediterranean, warm, welcoming, chatty, small talk, which you pick up a lot in the UK as well. Yeah. That wasn't really happening over here. <laughs> um, the cultural uh, difference. The cultural that. difference, which was, I would say, a little bit of an issue for my, like, the first two weeks or so. Um, we were a small team. Um, I would try to crack jokes during our lunch break, and people. And there's no laughs. No laughs. They would. They would. <laughs> they would entertain me. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, that's cool." You know, you're trying. Well, was it international though? No, I was the first not Estonian to join. Oh. And they were all Estonian, but they're they're great. I mean, this is the thing. Like the but first. If, yeah. If that's the case, then all of them would have had a good change because a person from UK joined the team, right? Yeah, I think for them, I mean, you know, some of them had worked with, uh, uh, you know, like the CTO is X Skype and, and the, the, like the two of the three mm -hmm. co-founders they all had international experience. So they were, they definitely were kind of like my, uh, uh, you know, my go-to guys. Like, hey guys, what's happening here? Um, I mean, and just to kind of like, to, to kind of tie it all up in a, in a nice bow, um, like the first two weeks was kind of, were kind of lonely. And I remember being on the oh, on, on um, Skype uh, with my wife and thinking, or soon to be wife at the time, like, um, hey, uh, I don't really know if this is going to work. Nobody speaks to me and stuff. <laughs> but then just randomly on a weekend, one of my co-workers who hadn't spoken to me much by that point um, just said, hey, you're not going out for a beer and, and maybe some burgers? I'm like, are you sure you're making a message me, not somebody else? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we just kind of like hit it off. And it's, I think it, you hear it a lot. Yeah, that, that's actually, yeah, that's something. I had some similar experience too it's, with my classmates. I came uh, here for university and, you know, you don't really talk to Estonians when you're international. You talk to other internationals. And Estonians don't really talk to you because, you know, they are that kind of people. And uh, then they text you on Friday, let's go out. And then you're like... Yeah, but okay. <laughs> but then it's like, they, they, they at least take some time. Like they, they take some time. Once they're comfortable, once they know how you move, how you talk, and everything, fine. Okay, let's go. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and once they and then it's like it's suddenly it's like the floodgates open. Yeah, um, and I've got quite a few kind of like um, anecdotes from that time where you know suddenly um, we're going to Tartu for the weekend, and I'm staying at one of my colleagues mother's house and it's like I'm part of the family and I'm hanging out with the cat and they're showing me their basement <laughs> suddenly I'm like I'm part of the family and it was great so those first two weeks were tricky but after that it was really good fun and they're taking me to you know mushrooming and showing me around the country um, and they were just kind of happy that I was showing an interest which I, I, I genuinely did and then if I can like I like about a I'd say so linguists went through some kind of rapid growth mm -hmm. And if I go like 18 months or maybe two years after that, the company had grown to about 
25 people. Um, and it was at this point quite international. Um, and I remember being in Tallinn and um, we were, would go out for lunch as a group, everybody in the office, um, or I don't know, say 10 of us. Uh, and I was on the table with my, by then, very good friends from Estonia. I'd be like, I'm the only non-Estonian and the other, you know, people would be hanging out and we'd be eating lunch silently, you know, just because there's no need to talk. There's no need to small talk. Do I really care what you, what they were watching on television the night before? Not really. So we just wouldn't speak about it. But on the table next to us, there was, um, uh, you know, some Americans, some, 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 some Brits, an Irish person, along with, um, like, uh, the CEO and, some other Estonians, um, also from the company, and you could just hear the kind of laboured, um, kind of you know, conversation. It's like, so I went to this place yesterday, you know, you know, and this kind of like, um, and uh, I noticed very quickly, like I kind of like look up and I saw all the Estonians that I was sitting at looking at me, and I'm like, what? what? Why are you looking at me like this? Like, <coughs> Two years ago, that was you. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I can see why. I can see why that can be annoying now. Yeah. Wow, it's great. But let's talk about uh, LinkedIn uh, itself as a startup. Well, first, what it is uh, for our listeners. Sure. And then uh, what were kind of challenges to grow from the six people to what it is now? Okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think this is a, a language learning application, language learning product. Um, it's, uh, you know, the way it's kind of marketed and the way it's kind of set up is that it's uh, kind of very much you know, AI is thrown around quite a lot as a word, but it's genuinely like a smart algorithm in the background that is learning from the user um, and, and, and trying to kind of um, give the best possible uh, feedback to learn a language and build the user up for success. So that's what it's kind of based on. Um, and then the kind of process itself, it uses flashcards to teach the user, you know, a language. And um, yeah, so it's always been kind of looked at as the more, uh, academic and kind of smart uh, way of learning a language and the way it kind of came about was the the CEO Mike who I mentioned a little earlier uh, he, he is a particle physicist he's an extremely intelligent person arguably the most intelligent person I've ever met um, and uh, he uh, he was based in CERN working on the Higgs boson um, you know the discovery of the Higgs boson um, the God particle if you will and he was getting annoyed and people who know Mike would very much kind of see how he would be kind of getting a bit frustrated with the fact that, you know, he just wanted to speak with the locals. He wanted to be able to go into a store or supermarket and converse, you know, able to order brie or, or, or whatever, you know, some cheese. Um, so he said, um, how can I efficiently learn French in the quickest way possible? And he built a little system for himself, and that's basically the, the foundations of Linguist, and that's how, how it kind of got started. And it's still very much the ethos, I would say, there. You know, it's uh, one of the things internally is that we want to kind of lead with science um, and not necessarily um, just try to be something that, you know, makes money. It was actually just kind of break new barriers and, you know, um, build things in a really, um, you know, value-led way, which has always been really attractive for me. And it's, our, you know, almost definitely why um, I lasted there for as long as I did. Um, yeah, and in terms of its growth, you know, um, when I joined, they were doing really, really well for themselves in terms of the uh, 
uh, you know, kind of the accelerator circuit. They had already a decent amount of of um, funding. I believe it was already over the kind of million dollar mark by the time I had joined, even though they were small, you know, six, seven people. Um, got uh, a kind of well-publicized um, uh, investment boost from Rakuten, which is, I think, the best way to describe them. They're kind of like what Amazon is to arguably America and the rest of the world. Rakuten is to Japan. Um, and they're kind of more famous in Europe as the sponsors of Barcelona. Yeah, that, that, that was the first thing. Most people are like, oh, Rakuten on Barcelona. You know, <laughs> I don't know what they do, but basically they're... they're um, uh, they're, yeah, they're just like a big online, they do a lot of stuff in Japan. Um, uh, yeah, so we got a, a good chunk of investment from them and that led to a, a point of rapid growth, um, trying to add more languages, uh, increasing basically every sector, you know, that's when we went from being a web-based app to one that incorporated iOS and Android. Um, uh, you know, marketing team grew uh, expanded in all facets and that was just super interesting to go from I think at the peak recently there's been a bit of a restructure mm -hmm. and the company's kind of gone back to basics in, a, in an effort to then build up again I think because this happens a lot with rapid growth that you know to be honest with you um, in a startup things happen so quickly that you just people can't learn fast enough so mistakes are made um, you know which is fine. Um, you need to celebrate your failures as much as you celebrate your victories. Um, um, yeah, but at its peak, I think we we're over 50 people. Um, and um, that happened so rapidly, I would say within like two years, three years max. Um, and it was a really, really fun journey. And it was fun to be, I think, uh, being the one of the early people, you know, like when we were 50 people, I knew everybody by name. Yeah. And it was weird at that point that the people who were just joining were struggling so much to <laughs> get to know everybody. It's like, oh, you're John, you're, you're the guy, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're I'm like uh, designer. Oh, okay, designer. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, like, <laughs> so I thought you were like head of recruitment or something. So speak about Linguist, how was everyday life at Linguist? Everyday life. Um, oof, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, like, I was going to say, well, as me as a designer. I th so I went through a lot of iterations at mm -hmm. Linguist, right? So I joined um, when it was a small company, you know, I was a designer and I was um, working with linguistic personnel, development personnel, or at that point, you know, two linguists and one developer it was mm -hmm. sort of, uh, to kind of understand the product and, 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 you know, talking with users. And then as I progressed, I went into a more kind of management role, built the design team up and the last two years or so, I was actually part of the executive team. So it's part of the kind of understanding of what our you know, creating quarterly goals and, uh, and, and uh, overall vision. Um, so, you know, my days kind of changed as they went along. But I mean, typically, uh, it's still very start startup, you know, uh, oriented. We wear many hats. Um, in my case, from a very design kind of laden perspective, I was talking with my team, understanding what the projects are going, uh, which way the projects are going and how they're headed. Uh, we have a, a cross-functional team structure there, which um, I would say was probably remain, hopefully it remains, but one of my biggest legacies leaving there, you know, um, where we have teams working on different areas and they're all autonomous. Um, uh, so each team can basically come up with a solution for a problem that our users have and build it and test it and so forth. So 
designers would be in, in different teams. I would actually be a designer in one of the teams as well. So we'd meet up regularly to discuss where are we headed, kind of maintain that communication, talking a lot with developers, talking a lot with uh, you know product management. Um, uh, so uh, good communication is key in these situations. And yeah, there'll be some designing done as well. I have found that over the last three or four years, my designing time diminished as I took on more yeah. managerial roles, yeah, yeah. more which initially I was quite kind of apprehensive because people who know me from you know when I was a out and out designer, I was one of those annoying pixel perfect designers who's like, yeah, but it's, it's, it's eight point space here. Little to the left. Exactly. Oh to yeah, the right. Yeah, like, <laughs> very that, and I think now I surprise these people when they when I I basically realize I get just as much joy from creating a design as I do from managing yeah. designers one-on-one or as part of a team. Yeah, I, th I think that's very common uh, in like many professionals, mm. especially in design, because you're, it's like your art that you're doing and you want to do it and you do it because you love it. And then when you become a manager, it's a little bit like... <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it could be the same for many kind of creator or technician style jobs. Yeah. Like for me, the idea of delegating was something that it took me a long time to get used to. The idea that I usually do this, and and I've got you know there's new just the team grew from one person to three four people it's like oh you can do that now it was very hard for me to be what like, was the most I guess it was kind of like that but what was the most challenging part for you to well you joined the team when there were like six people and mm -hmm. you had to change a lot of different roles so what, what was the most challenging moment for you I think the challenging moment was. Um, uh, so it was a challenge which I actually jumped into head first, to be fair. So around about two years ago, just over two years ago, um, the head of product moved on, decided to, um, you know, to have, continue her adventure elsewhere. Um, a void was left. And as with many companies and definitely with startups, you know, when there's a vacuum, um, you know, as, within a startup, it makes sense for people internally to step up and, 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 and try and do the, you know, it's a good opportunity and it also makes a lot of sense because uh, the thing with a startup is that it's very, the system, the kind of ecosystem internally is very unique and somebody internally can understand it a lot. So I was a designer, I was leading the design team, um, I had an interest in product processes, I had an interest in product management but not that much experience. Um, but I just put myself forward, I'm like, hey, I mean, I've been with the company since pretty much the beginning. Um, and this looks like a challenge you'd like to, to try out. Um, that, it, that meant me becoming uh, an executive member uh, of the company as well. Um, and the executives were happy with that. They thought that, you know, they were willing to be patient with me as I learned the processes and stuff. Um, and that led to easily, you know, six months, 12 months, where it was just rapid learning, rapid growth from my own side i think i had to become a lot more organized um uh, you know we had to just say okay i'm a manager now you know and uh, and just kind of you know call the shots and be able to feel more responsible that was a big change for me a lot of kind of stressful times but i loved it and it's something which uh, you know i haven't really let go of and i think that's kind of my career trajectory now that's great i think that that is something you earned six years down the line right yeah, I think it's something that, I mean, if I was maybe with a, 
corporate, you know, mm-hmm. corporation. Yeah. Even, you know, it's not something that I think I'd be. Well, I would have been as comfortable putting money forward for. Maybe nowadays, maybe, but back, you know, just you know, thinking of John, two to five years ago, um, I don't think that would have been the case. It's just the kind of mentality you start to develop in a in a startup. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the like Estonia as a country sure. from your perspective. Um, what would be the things? Well, three things, if you can name what you love about Estonia, and one thing that you hate. Okay, um, I wish I did some preparation for this, but I'll be, <laughs> the thing is, I'll, I'll be quite happy with what I say, but I know that I'll be on the tram going back home. <laughs> I should have said that. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> it always happens. Uh, speaking of which, the free transportation um, in, in town is great, but I wouldn't want to choose that as one of the things that uh, I, I, I love. Um, this is interesting. He's really picking all three things very very perfect i'm a perfectionist yeah um so uh, but i think i, I i'm try, I've, i've told myself you know that don't try to overcomplicate things you know through simplicity you get honesty so try and maintain that um so definitely the fact that talents so estonia in general is great um i'm a city person i'll be honest about it so i tend to focus a lot on talent and talent as a city is just like the perfect size walkable I've become a lot more healthier since I've been living in Tallinn the last two years. I mean, I lost 20 kilos in weight and became a lot more healthy. I think it's also just the mentality here of eating seasonal, exercising. So, um, you know, Tallinn is small but diverse. Um, you know, you get grungy, popular techie areas, you know, trendy bits, the old town just full of history. Um, uh, you know, the kind of ex-Soviet bits, which I find fascinating. Um, and then you got Uh, the areas you know like Kadriorg and things like that which is like that parks and, and, and lovely areas to live so the diversity in a small space uh, you know compared to and I come from Walter which is a tiny space so they're like what are you on about but yeah. um you know um compared to say other cities I've lived in like London and and you know Edinburgh and other cities I've visited um, you know it's just uh, a lot more compact um, so definitely you know love that about it um the kind of at least from my experience the acceptance from local uh, uh people i think you, you hear I, I, for me there's some they're more like rumors in terms of um uh lack of acceptance and kind of like more kind of radicalist right movements i've never really felt that too much i'll admit there has been of just because of the way i look there's some drunken locals have decided to kind of <laughs> say some funny things um <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, I tend to, I'm a you know a little bit more darker skin than the locals, <laughs> and I do tend to have a big beard. So at one point on the tram, I was called jihad for some reason. What? I, I, I found it I found it hilarious <laughs> at the time because he was obviously extremely drunk and he was actually more trying to be funny and impress his friends. But that was like one time. Uh, you know, a few times, which I would say. Well, yeah, that might happen everywhere. It's not exactly, I think on the grand scheme of things, absolutely fine. But um, you know, the locals, regardless of their age, have been extremely accepting, very open-minded, you know, curious, and, and um, uh, with that, I mean, you know, I mentioned earlier, like the safety, the ability, like I don't have to worry if my wife is, you know, working late or having a drink with friends or something I don't uh, you know in London I used to kind of stay up and be a bit concerned and um, now it's more like just kind of like I'll stay up out of courtesy you know <laughs> or if I want to go to bed it's just a really safe city um, so I would say in that 
within that you encompass a lot of kind of things I um, I get a kick out of. And I'll mention also just for me as a person, the kind of historical, cultural differences that I get to experience because I really am into kind of, you know, sociology, anthropology, and just kind of understanding the human condition. Uh, so you love traveling. Yeah, exactly. And Estonia, living in a place like Estonia, which is very different from, yeah. you know, where it I'm is. from. Like, it has a really good balance of Western and culture. Yeah, it's kind of a... Yeah. It's on this kind the of fusion this is so little, exact. <laughs> yeah. And then in terms of things that I would hate about Estonia, that's going to be a tricky one. Because uh, I just tend to be a, an annoying optimist. You know, I just kind of... That annoys me, but it's fine. Um, but okay, and this is going to probably, and again, I'll probably find something a little bit more deeper later on. But the one thing that I can genuinely say annoys me is that cyclists ride on the pavement. Oh. And this is because um, they scare the hell out of me. Um, and they, you know, I mean, it's going to sound really kind of boring, right? But um, I don't, for me, if a, a bike is a vehicle. And they should, uh, my opinion, they should be on the road. Yes, they should be given space as well. Um, but then on the other hand, which I can also kind of combine with this, um, is that um, drivers in Estonia tend to not have a lot of appreciation for pedestrians so or cyclists. So I would say that's in an Estonia, area. Really? I mean... I'm coming from Georgia, say, and for me it was such a shock when I saw that. Okay, I've been to Georgia. Okay, I know what you mean. And I'm also from Malta, where they're like absolutely drive like, like like absolute crazy people. But I maybe I'm a bit biased for those. You know, the many years I spent in the UK, where um, there's just a lot of respect for the pedestrian, and if there's somebody at a pedestrian crossing, you know, there's like somebody would literally emergency brake, and there's this kind of appreciation that a person in a car is protected in a cocoon of steel person walking on the road should be respected even if you're on a bike motorbike any you know they're considered vehicles and somebody who's just walking should be respected and given their space mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I guess I got comfortable with uh, even yeah. after two years living here full-time I still get a little bit like oh what's that what are you doing on the pavement you should be on the street you know, it's just that kind of yes. have you ever had a heated argument with someone um Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't say again. I tend to catch myself and stop. Um, Probably with uh, some d- Dutch person. Sorry. Probably with some Dutch person. Dutch people. Yeah, because well, they oh, they're, they're a little sorry. <laughs> uh, I have Cyclist. I have been known to. I think I would say they're local, but I have been known to tell like a local cyclist, like you should be on the road, and, and they look at me funny, like you're weird, like. No <laughs> Uh, and similarly, if I'm uh, the when I do drive around again, I'm a pretty calm driver, and I think I actually annoy people because I'm a bit of a slow driver, and that's when there's been some people talk, uh, honking horns, and I'll be like, "What?" <laughs> that's pretty much where it goes. So now uh, the next question will be more design centric. Okay. Because for my love for design, and uh, most of our listeners are also designers. So, what do you think is the current design trend? Ah, current design trend. Okay. Um, so, uh, I would say, how can I describe it? A kind of playful minimalism. Um, I've seen that there's just this big, been this big, and it's something that we've played around as well with uh, linguists. Um, a big kind of surge in just black and white color motifs with a pop of a, a bright color. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I kind of think that superhuman kind of email um 
platform that there was a bit of a buzz around last year and is still quite popular now. They came out with that with kind of nice, clean, slick, black and white, a bit of, you know, very monochrome. Um, and everyone just kind of jumped on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of sticking around. Um, uh, I think that would be kind of where I would... Um, you think okay. that, that that's a trend, right? That's the trend, yeah. I mean, trends, I mean, if you're working in design for as long as I have, trends kind of, <laughs> they start rolling one into the other. Yeah. Um, but I would say that's the kind of most common mm -hmm. one I've seen. I've seen company, like, I find myself on a lot of, um, like, websites at the moment with, like, Intercom is a good example. They were very much blue, you know, in terms of their branding, and like, oh, you've gone black and white as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so many brands, and even just a lot of brands of the moment, like, um, I'm a big fan of Notion. I kind of just keep myself organized. It's been a lifesaver for me and also a money saver because I used to spend so much money on to do uh, to do well, literally to do as an application, mm -hmm. but like um, to do applications, um, note keeping applications, and uh, I found that Notion just kind of puts that all into one neat package, mm -hmm. um, and it's you know whatever eight euros a month compared to the lot more I used to spend for multiple things, and it's just black and white and like use emojis and off you go and it and it's brilliant as a designer i think it's gorgeous basically so mm -hmm. yeah i think it's kind of monochromatic simplistic utilitarian almost fantastic how do you like these companies that are like uh, kind of respecting their culture and traditions they they were what they were from the beginning and they just headed to that direction and they don't change anything Oof, well i mean that goes a lot against my personal beliefs, modus operandi, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. And I think that comes from um, quite a few things. One of the, I studied marketing for a while. Um, I've got what I think in the UK we call A-level. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with Apple is like that, right? Well, I think... Um, uh, is it so much UX focused? So the, with UX, if you're not if you're not really listening to your user, you, know, you, you, you need to basically, I think this is the beauty with kind of why you know, why I've ended up being a lot more, sorry, as in I've been a lot, uh, I've seen myself become increasingly interested in product uh, processes just as much as design processes because they're both basically demand that you talk to your users and let what they, what you know, what the demand is kind of um, uh, dictate where you move. So if you're really set in your way, I think this is something that doesn't really, um, uh, uh, help you in the long run um in terms of apple i think it's kind of tricky because the way i kind of see apple and i'm an apple fan i'll be honest um, all my devices are, are apple and i can see you, you're the same yeah uh but i just find like um the they come up they release innovations that you know well they're not innovations android would have been doing them for a while already yeah but it's just that users rightly or wrongly just know that yes apple will come up with it a year later but it will be the superior quality dependable trustworthy and they just go with that and there's obviously a, you know it's a massive lifestyle with choice. that question i have another question why would you choose apple over android um so i was uh, for me when i first started off as a designer like well playing around with design i couldn't afford apple you know i'm from a very working class background and i, I had a hand-me-down 
computer from my father and then some, something we built up together. And I just used to be a very much like, ah, that whole, why would you even bother? I didn't have an iPhone because iPhones didn't exist at this point. <laughs> We're talking about early 2000s here uh, or late 90s even. Um, but uh, when I got my first job and I was given um, uh, an early kind of like um, iMac, mm -hmm. um, I started realizing that, okay, I can see the hubbub about it. Um, and then, I mean, I think I was initially young and stupid and you're like, I'm going to buy an Apple because, you know, it impresses people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then as time, you kind of get drawn in. Um, I do have a, a, as test devices and, um, you know, uh, I do have a, an Android phone, which I use a lot, actually. It's, you know, in my case, it's got my uh, UK SIM card in there as well because I still have a connection with the UK. Um, and I think it's great, but I still feel a lot more comfortable. And there's just this kind of added... Like I'm much more accepting of a crash or a or a weird glitch happening on Android when it happens on on my Apple device. I kind of get a bit freaked out, like mm -hmm. you know somebody's hacked my phone or something. Um, mm -hmm. I, it's just the the thing with these things that initially it was a lifestyle choice. Now it's more like my comfort zone and generally like I just mm -hmm. you know. Um, uh, and yes, I'm, I'm a bit of a fanboy, you know, when yeah. there's a release, I'm going to be checking it out. No, yeah, but there are a lot like that, like we... <laughs> Who knows why, you know, I, yeah, mean, I think sometimes there's just certain brands we become really exactly. comfortable with and, and um, it'd be really hard to change. I, I have one question about, the, like, your early days of your career. How did you decide that you wanted to be a designer? Ah, that's, that's a good question. It's a good question and it's one thing that, like, I realized recently that the kind of story I gave might be one of those things that I've made myself believe. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like it kind of, cause it kind of sounded cool in my head. I'm not actually sure if it's true or not anymore. Um, I, I mean, the honest truth is, I mean, um, my, my dad had a computer in the house. He had Photoshop on it. And um, I used to enjoy messing around on Photoshop. Um, this would have been in my early teens. And in my case, it would be just, um, you know, you, I think a lot of designers start off like this. I would put my head on somebody else's, like I was, oh look, I'm Che Guevara now, or you yeah. know, here, here's me hanging out with with historical figures or something, and I thought it would be quite fun. Um, and I was into cars um, in my youth, still kind of am, to be fair. But I'd get like you know, Photoshop body kits and stuff. On cars. <laughs> That's how I started off. Um, I didn't realize that being a designer was a career path until I was, you know, kind of very close to, you know, I was missing it. I'd go to school and, you know, secondary school. I wasn't studying to become a designer. I was studying accounts at one point, biology at another point, thinking maybe becoming a doctor might be something, um, which is, you know, accountancy in my opinion was a bit too boring and being coming the doctor was a little bit too hard. Um, <laughs> so I had to find a middle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Let's go. I was Let's quite lucky that my parents never forced me in any yeah. kind oh, of. Um, that's that, that's really good. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for my brother and I, I have an older brother, and my parents were like, listen, we're just happy to give you an education, which mm -hmm. is, to be fair, something they really didn't have the opportunity for, I guess. Um, and they're like, you guys know best, you go whichever direction you want. Mm -hmm. um, I studied, uh, when I got to university, I took communications as a degree, um, mainly because if I wanted to take design as a, you know, further education, at the time, there was only the opportunity to get a diploma, which sounds, which is fine to be fair, but in Malta, there's this kind of culture that, um, well, we're paid to get educated in Malta. It's quite awesome, actually. The government pays us a stipend every month and there's no fees for university or anything. Um, 
So why wouldn't you get a degree? Or why wouldn't you stay at school? Um, Do you, you study in UK? No, I, so I, I got my uh, undergrad in Malta, and then I, had a, I got my master's degree in, 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 right. um, in Scotland. Um, but uh, I thought, okay, what degree can I get? And then communications people said like, hey, if you study communications, you can take visual communications um, credits, and that's accepted as a, you know, you'll build up a small design portfolio, and you can work a little bit on your downtime, which I did. I used to go volunteer at printing presses and stuff. Um, and yeah, I just enjoyed it. Uh, that really opened up my mind because I also played around with a bit of audio, yeah. video. So you kind of learned by doing it. Yeah, and I just realized, you know, during university, I thought, you know, if I really fall in love with journalism, I'll go into that. If I really enjoy film editing, I'll go into that. Um, but I kind of, by that point, you know, I also, I also worked in radio, so I thought maybe that would be... In radio, that's what would... Yeah, uh, you know, I thought working in audio might be something that would interest me, and so... So do I radio, radio jockey? Uh, yeah, uh, I used to kind of uh, present for um, uh, university radio, and then went on to like, uh, you know, Malta is such a small country, that if you really put your mind you, to it, you can... Do you, you, can, uh, do you still it. remember your script? Um, in, in what sense? Yeah, in radio, yeah. So how did you introduce yourself then? Oh, well, we're not, gosh, we're talking <laughs> 20 years ago now. Um, I, I mean, I used to play around, I'm sure if I, um, actually, I'm not sure, but I had yeah, like those things you just freestyle and it's yeah, like it goes to your head. And, you know, yeah, I, I used to, like in my case, I enjoyed kind of urban music and R&B and I thought there's not many radio shows that mm -hmm. are that kind of cater for, for those for that music in Malta and I just kind of asked if I can do that and that just kind of happened um, but I, yeah I spent the four years at university messing around but by the end of it I was very well I was already working in design by mm -hmm. the end of it I just knew that was the area I wanted to so are you a designer who enjoys music while designing or would you want to sign in place that's, that's an interesting question I like silence silence actually well I think um, so uh, okay, uh, the thing is that I, in my old age, <laughs> I've started to really enjoy podcasts, and I can't actually work with a podcast. I, uh, I need kind of like the because it creates it creates your attention, right? Yeah, but if I want to get something done, especially so I'm a real morning person. So in the morning, I can I work super fast. Uh, you know, from when I wake up till about one o'clock in the afternoon, that's my I'm quite an early riser, uh, so like 6, 6.30 maybe, um, try to get a run in the morning or something and then just kind of hit, hit the office. But, uh, you know, just kind of, even sometimes I find myself, I start working from home, this is pre-COVID, uh, you know, and then I'll be like, oh guys, sorry, I'll be in the office at lunchtime because I'm just in the zone right now. Mm -hmm. um, then in the afternoon, then um, I would uh, put on music when I feel myself kind of lagging behind and I just have to get something done and my go-to would be kind of um, 90s era dance music because this is like the time that I started first going to nightclubs and having fun yeah. and I, you know and that kind of music just top five tracks oh top five tracks what would they be um, gosh you're putting me on the spot because I, I <laughs> probably like I'll try and I, I want, I'm going to struggle artists. with the names yeah for artists maybe so uh, I just love like um, uh, house music from the time and kind of electronic dance music, so like Faithless, um, mm -hmm. Underworld, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the kind of uh, American, um, like New York style house artists. Um, 
Eric Murillo, who I believe passed away recently, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, Roger Sanchez. I think there were a lot of these kind of people coming over from Cuba to America. Does it make you more productive? Yeah, yeah. In that case, because I just tend to be flagging quite a lot mm -hmm. um, at that point, the kind of uh, house beats like four to the floor beat. I just mm -hmm. kind of follow that. It's weird. People see me and they seem like I'm clicking the mouse at the same <laughs> bit. <laughs> it's a bit weird. And they're like, okay, John's in his zone right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, I'd just be like falling asleep, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, it's just who I am. I do get a second um, kind of rush of energy late at night again, or, you know, say like um, after dinner, so from eight till midnight or something. Mm -hmm. But usually I'm home by then, not at work. So <laughs> that's good to work on my own projects. But yeah, yeah. that's nice. What's the future of UIUX? The future of UIUX? Um, uh, that's super interesting. Um, uh, and I wonder if what I might describe as the future, a lot of people might say, well, actually, that's that's what, what's already happening now, right? Yeah, like, um, I hear a lot about artificial intelligence and GPT-3. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% con convinced yet, or at least we're a long time away. I think that um, creative industries are not under threat immediately from but i mean hey you know they said the same thing about truck drivers 10 15 years ago you know um but so we it'll be interesting to see um but i do think that the the voice of designers i think used to be ignored a lot um and we're seeing a lot more like uh designers in managing in management positions designers in leadership positions and i think actually that would be you know my observation would be that we need to embrace it as designers we need to be a loud voice we need to because we, we're not just designers we're just naturally empathetic or at least to to do anything mm -hmm. positive in the design realm to be to proceed up the career ladder you know i've never met an unempathetic mm -hmm. designer so our voices are not only our own but those of our users those of um you know, I mean, I consider myself like if I had to kind of sum summate what my goal in life is, is to better understand the human condition. And I think as generally designers, we understand the human condition better than a lot of people. So it's great that, you know, mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot more confident designers, yeah. um, designers in leadership. And yeah, and I think that's fine. And, you know, if, you know, my tips to designers out there would be learn, you know, just in product, in the product field, in the tech field, learn more about product management. Um, I think that's just as important as, you know, knowing how to code potentially. Sure. Yeah. Um, and understand the system, understand, you know, the benefits of management and um, coach yourself or, or, or ask for coaching. You know, I, I was lucky enough to have coaching, uh, management coaching, which really kind of opened up my mind. Um, and it was, yeah, just kind of don't just, um, we tend to be quite technical people as designers where, you know, we are technicians, we get things done with our hands, but I think it's important that we also start realizing that we need to develop our minds just mm -hmm. as sure, much. Yeah, there should be an art aspect in it. Excuse me? There should be like art aspect in it. Uh, yeah, I think. Art management. I mean, uh, I mean well, I've, I always find it like, um, this is an interesting kind of area. Um, uh, Design is an applied art, and yeah. I think that is important to keep in mind. If you, it, a designer who uh, tries to say like, yeah, defend their design because um, it's a piece of art, my reply would be, well, I don't, you know, you just, do you want to impress your friends or do you want to impress your users? 
you know. Um, that's interesting. You, you see? That's interesting. Um, if you want to go off and show your friends, look at this great design I've yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, to be honest with you, every young designer, I was that designer, you know, in my early yeah, 20s. Everyone starts like that, yeah. But if you don't be, go, yeah, then yeah. when it becomes like, you know, this has problem solved, this has a purpose. When you get to the point, like, I'll be honest with you, you know, I would be really like I would not enjoy working on something that doesn't involve certain color schemes or or things that I enjoyed 10 years ago nowadays it's not even mm -hmm. it doesn't even blip on my radar if this is where the users are kind of pushing us to go mm -hmm. um, then I mean I get a kick out of ultimately I think you know good feedback metrics that show that we're headed in the right direction that users are downloading more users are enjoying it more they're engaging more that to me is is really you know what where i get my dopamine fix these days yeah that's great. that's great so where are you moving now where am i moving next so funnily enough i know we've talked a lot about estonia um uh for my next challenge i really wanted to so i've learned a lot how it works how things work in a startup and the questions that i had was you know i've got all this knowledge now about processes and things like that um, but i just wouldn't know how that would work in a scale-up or in a bigger situation um uh, and the opportunity arose to basically try it out. Um, the unfortunate thing is that it's not in Estonia. Uh, the company is based in Berlin. Um, it's a company called HelloFresh, which are um, not very popular in Estonia because they don't, they don't provide the service here, but they're basically a recipe box company. Um, so you order um, like five meals for the week or a set number, of, and they give you all the ingredients you need and you prepare oh, wow. the food yourself. That's interesting. Um, and it's, you know, minimal waste. You learn, you know, you're also cooking your own food. It's healthy. Um, uh, it's a company which I admired when I lived in the UK because they're quite popular there. Our office oh, was so quite close. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about the actual figures themselves, but uh, they've got, you know, in the thousands in terms of employees. Um, based in Berlin, they've got offices around the world. Uh, yeah, and uh, they've gone through a point where um, design got a voice. Uh, sure. They got a, you know, a VP of design and restructuring of the team, and they're expanding. And the opportunity arose, and I thought this looks like fun. Um, with COVID and everything like that, I think it puts me in a position where, because I, you know, really enjoy living in Tallinn. Um, you know, my wife has, we moved here mainly because, um, you know, uh, my wife wanted a bit of a change and, you know, I was up for it, obviously, uh, but she was going through a bit of a career change moment um, and uh, it just felt like it would work really well for her if we were based here. She set up, she basically, so if I can digress slightly, she's a dentist by trade, mm -hmm. um, but for as long, well, well before I've known her, she, um, uh, her hobby was ceramics and making items out of ceramics and she always wanted to start up her own little studio where she could take on commissions for you know individuals restaurants cafes but also teach ceramics itself um, and she opened a studio here um, which is doing quite well and you know it's building up and obviously just dissolving that fully so we can relocate again uh, um, doesn't make sense yeah so at least for the time being i'll be coming and going and then we'll kind of make our minds up as we go oh, along. Yeah, just like it happened with Estonia. You kind of tested the ground and then exactly. another part of the journey. Exactly. I'd say it's a little different because this is the first time that I'd say we're having genuine, like, you know, usually it's like opportunity in Edinburgh, let's go. Yeah. Opportunity in London, let's go. Now, you know, opportunity in Thailand, 
totally um now it's like berlin and berlin's a great city you know yeah. it's going to be amazing um but just talent's one of those where we've got a great social network here you know great city everything you need and it's like oh it's a tough one isn't it yeah. <laughs> i mean obviously i'm getting on in years as well um uh, you know kind the of berlin is complete spread out city sorry berlin is completely yeah. spread out city. yeah when i was yeah. there for like a week it was amazing yeah well you will see man we want to wish you best of luck then. yeah cheers but to um to wrap it up uh what would be your advice to uh all the new people who want to jump into the design industry um okay uh and i want to I start their let's be more specific with journey. or without portfolio <laughs> with or without a portfolio yeah if, we, if you don't have a portfolio um make i would say make one. no no <laughs> No, it's quite interesting. I would say it's Google funny. how to make portfolio. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, and to be fair, you know, once I actually had um, was given a portfolio where the work was obviously fake because one of the works was actually one of my own. What? Like I made that. There's no way you did it. Um, so we just didn't. But did you reveal that? that did you reveal that straight away? In that case, we just didn't just say we'll be moving on. With oh come candidates. on, man! That's so um, bad. It happens. It happens. Um, uh, There's a problem. Just try. Yeah, let's yeah. give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, fake it till you make it mentality. Yeah. <laughs> um, a portfolio. So I think for me, it's um, you know, a, if you a design is a mentality as much as an as an actual skill. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, depending on you know if you're jumping in uh, to design, I think a portfolio will come with time. Um, you definitely need to have a drive to work on. You know, a portfolio will kind of naturally happen just because you have that drive. So you're working on maybe your own projects, collaborating with friends and things like that it doesn't have to be anything too crazy that was definitely my uh, well my problem setting up initially was I'd always want to have very complete things and very boom you know my mind would go nuts and oh, I'll build an app and obviously these things never get fully finished because they take so much time and resources so yeah but um, it really is a mentality that um, I think you know understanding that at least in the product design field but I think in any design field you are a communicator you are a representation of the people who will see and interact with um your 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 creations that's why it's an applied art um have that understanding have that appreciation and get a kick out of that that mm -hmm. you know your 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 work is of a, you know if done well is of a benefit for 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 the people you are creating it for um uh, and have a mentality of a problem solver always trying to find the challenges that you want to make as what is the problem I'm trying to solve and then you'll quickly start going away from you know my favorite color is lime green so everything has to be lime green <laughs> which is you know, you know you know and you know my my favorite font is Helvetica because I saw a cool documentary so everything has to be in Helvetica you, you know your mentality starts to kind of change where you don't really have you know you know 10-15 years ago I had a favorite font I had a favorite color and I don't think I have that anymore you know it just yeah. kind of moves along um, but yeah um, be a problem solver um keep have it in mind um and everything is a state of mind and just kind of if you build on that foundation you you'll be a good designer and again it's not about knowing how you know being a great drawer or you know um creativity if you can focus that creativity and problem solving people won't you know won't care that you can't draw a perfect circle or yeah. you can't <laughs> yeah. sketch or things like sure. that. A lot of, you know, amazing designers I know can't, you know, they can just about hold a pencil. Let's uh -huh. go to that one. Exactly. Sure. 
All right. Thank you very much. Um, I think very, it was very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you very much for the listening. Uh, follow us everywhere. We're Startup Adventures. And see you next time. Thanks for listening. Follow us on your favorite social media and check out the next episode. Ta-da!